Alright, welcome back guys to another segment of Caged. I'm the Lieutenant. And you got the house here. And we're going to be bringing you the latest in UFC. We're going to be giving you fight recaps from Fight Night 163 in Moscow. Giving you the uh, latest news and headlines, including our number nine uh, favorite UFC fighter of all time. And we're going to be looking ahead to Fight Night 164 in Sao Paulo, Brazil. So without further ado, we're going to get started with uh, Fight Night 163. With Zelim Imadaev versus Danny Roberts in welterweight weight class. Yeah, um, so from our predictions last week, uh, I assumed that Zelim was going to take this fight to the ground and um, win via submission was my prediction. And actually, it was quite a different fight. Uh, Danny Roberts attempted to take this fight to the ground many, many times. Uh, Zelim was... I feel like just kind of more structured in his grappling. Um, I think he was a little bit stronger of a grappler, but I think Danny Roberts um, really gave him problems with the grappling. Um, this fight was everywhere. Um, and, it, I mean, it was an absolutely amazing finish. It was a great fight. Yeah, so. uh, I really enjoyed watching the fight. Uh, I think it was some of the best grappling that um, mm -hmm. that we've seen in the UFC probably up until this point this year. Yeah. Uh, uh, the grappling was spectacular. Uh, Roberts was able to control the wrist, and like it was crazy, right. like it, how much control you have over mm -hmm. the fighter. With it just was control. it was just constant transitions from spot to spot. Uh, you could tell these guys were elite in their grappling. Um, they were very exciting to watch. Very and exciting. like uh, going back to like our predictions, we both thought that uh, Imadayev was going to win the fight via submission. Right. And we thought that he was going to be the one to take it to the ground. Mm -hmm. and it ended up being the complete opposite. And it worked out for, for Roberts in, in the long haul. And again, like that finish was yeah. crazy. Uh, for those of you who didn't get to see it, uh, they were standing toe-to-toe, -to -toe, kind of finishing out the round. Uh, the knockout came in the last uh, six seconds of the fight. It was a counter-left uh, uh, hook. round, rather. It was uh, a counter-left hook from Roberts. Um, just click, click. Uh, Imadayev uh, on the jaw and uh, straight knocked him out cold like yep, just straight his, dropped yeah his arm I mean you could tell it in his face he didn't know what was going on it was a good stoppage by the referee his arm was all limp um, obviously he just he was just stunned so it was an exciting fight um, Roberts landed 42 strikes 37 of those coming via, uh, via significant strike wow um Imadayev landed 38 and 28 of those coming uh, via significant strikes. So, um, Imadayev wanted to keep the fight standing up, which kind of surprised me a little bit because I did feel that he was the stronger grappler. But um, in the end, Danny Roberts just had that one punch knockout power and he showed it, and uh, it was easy. Yeah, uh, there's no more decisive victory than a, than a knockout victory. So Danny Roberts got the win, yeah. uh, the London man over the the native and uh, the Russian Imadayev. So next up, uh, a personal favorite of mine, uh, Greg Hardy versus the number seven heavyweight in the world in Alexander Drago Volkov. Uh, we both uh, pretty, this fight was pretty much uh, what we predicted. We yep. both uh, predicted Volkov to win. That's exactly what we thought it would be. Uh, yeah. And... 
Greg Hardy took the fight on short notice, so right. uh, really he had nothing to lose. And like, no, he didn't. I mean, he's he's been showing himself, improving himself. Um, taking on a fight like this was a big step up for him. Obviously, not even being ranked uh, as a contender yet, fighting the number seven contender in the heavyweight division—that's hard to do. Um, but ultimately, it was, I mean, identical to what we predicted last week. Uh, Volkov was able to dodge some of those big hands that Hardy throws early. Um, Hardy wasn't able to really wobble him. Um, Volkov actually uh, had a lot of um, strikes standing up. And actually, um, he didn't attempt any takedowns. they both fought striking, so yeah, uh, it's, it's I, not like Volkov did any kind of special, you know what I mean, grappling to prevent Hardy from landing those punches. He just outstruck him, and in the end, I think it was that veteran uh, mentality that we talked about, uh, just with Hardy coming on short notice and, you know, this fight being a massive step up in competition. Um, Volkov wasn't able to knock Hardy out and get the finish, but significant or the experience was a significant difference in this one yeah uh it showed me a lot of things uh one it showed me uh hardy's want to to get better right uh he did attempt a few takedowns Mm -hmm. and and wanted to kind of add a a new element to his game and this is a good fighter to to kind of do that against uh a top 10 contender uh, you really want to like test everything that that you have. Yeah. Uh, so I I thought that it was good that he uh, took it to him. I think it was uh, great <laughs> that he was able to uh, take it to decision and was able to show that he had the conditioning. He's able to withstand the the heavy striking that Volkov definitely he came in possesses. Uh, he took some shots. He was bleed. He was bleeding. He was bloody by the end of the uh, fight, mm-hmm. but he. He showed that uh, he can he can stand in there and he can contend with the best of them, uh, kind of like we like we thought. Uh, if he doesn't get the knockout in the first round, he kind of does start to decline. But uh, I mean, with time comes experience, and and I mean, he can only get better from here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we'll see it in his upcoming fights. I'm sure he'll get back on track and uh, get a couple victories. Um, but I don't know if we said this or not. This fight was did go to decision. Uh, Unanimous. Yeah, unanimous decision after round three. So, um, Volkov just straight up outstruck uh, Hardy in this one. So yeah, it was an experience. Yeah, uh, it was, it was a good fight, yeah. and it was a nice uh, stepping stone for Hardy to you know really compare where he's at. And obviously, the short notice makes it kind of difficult, but um, it, it gave him, it humbled him. I feel like so. Yeah, we'll, no, we'll see where he goes from here. I think I think he'll be all right though. And Volkov. Um, Obviously, that's a that's a fairly good win for Volkov. I mean, yeah, I mean, a significant opponent. Uh, not anything crazy, but I mean, it'll earn him another respectable fight. And I say, you fight who you fight. Yeah, uh, for sure, you get matched up with it. And Greg Hardy, now that his name's up there, having fought the likes of an, uh, Alexander Volkov, uh, having a co-main event under his belt, mm-hmm. and uh, with Derek Lewis. Uh, with Greg Hardy being on Derek Lewis's uh hit list right now, uh, I mean, there's plenty of opportunity for him to to make a name in the UFC. Yep, definitely. He's he still has plenty of time. He's an extremely young fighter, obviously fairly new to the sport. So, um, 
think that pretty much wraps up the Alexander Volkov Greg Hardy fight. Yeah, so uh, um, now we're going to move on to our main event of uh, Zabit Magnumiskopov versus Calvin Cater. Uh, so this one was really exciting uh, coming in the featherweight division. Uh, you don't really expect to see any knockouts, uh, but what was really shocking to me was the amount of power that they actually came out with. Yeah, for uh, sure, definitely. Especially in their grappling. Um, the biggest takeaway I got from this fight were the vicious knees to the midsection and the leg work uh, standing up of... Um, of Ka- uh, Zabib? Yeah, of Zabib. Um, he really attacked uh, the abdomen uh, in the clinch. Oh, no, he got that leg really good. Mm-hmm. Was, ooh, yeah, that... The leg, the leg was all swollen up. Uh, he was working the inside and the outside. And then once he got a hold of him, it was just knee, knee, knee. And, it, I mean, both guys were throwing knees. And, well, I mean, right here we have the, the stats pulled up. Uh, Zabib had 100 strikes, 96 significant. Uh, one takedown uh, out of four attempts. Um, Cater, 127 strikes. 80 of those being significant, no takedown attempts. So this was a complete stand-up fight, although they did grapple uh, quite a bit uh, in the clinch. Um, Zabib was just really able to outwork him, and um, I think his pressure really helped him in this fight uh, get the decision because obviously the strikes, uh, he doesn't have as many, but more being significant obviously creates more damage to Cater. Um Right, and uh, a lot of his uh, shots that landed were uh, power shots. Like right. you saw a lot of like spinning back fists and mm-hmm. uh, like the the funky like spinning, high kicks. Yeah, there was a bunch of spinning back kicks too. Uh, uh, to a lot abdomen. of a lot of uh, acrobatics uh, right. being shown on display, and that's what you get with the that's what you get with the smaller weight classes. Right, uh, you sacrifice power for a little bit more uh, showmanship, and uh, mm-hmm. that's why they're exciting play. the white. They're exciting to watch. Yeah, Zabib really. Um, yeah. He controlled this fight. Uh, it was, I don't know. It was, it was an interesting fight just because Zabib really worked the body and lower body of Cater. He didn't. It wasn't just all head strikes. Um, it was. He really chopped him down, really. And at the end, Cater was just pretty gassed, and Zabib had really just worked him. Although Cater landed more strikes. The fight, yeah, I think you uh, the momentum was. I think Cater definitely uh, landed some good shots on him, mm-hmm. but uh, overall, Zabit uh, was able to mix up the striking and and had him hurting in more in more spots than right, than Zabit was hurt himself, uh, and that's ultimately what the judges were looking at, I mm-hmm. think, and uh, ultimately gave them the nod. So congratulations to him defending uh, Moscow. Uh, all three of or three yeah, of big win. these fights were uh, Moscow natives, so keeping it home. Uh, congratulations to Zabit. Congratulations to uh, Volkov. And uh, hopefully, Zalim is. This is not the last time that we're uh, talking about him. Uh, I'm excited to see where these fighters go. Now that we're like tracking them and like looking yeah, at them. Yeah, this is this is gonna be interesting to see where these uh fighters stand. I think Zebe um I think he gets a pretty good fight after this one, realistically. Um 
Yeah, I mean, he's number five, took down number 11. Right. Um, it's a respectable fight. Um, I would say a 3-4 fight, maybe, against one of those guys, or the, and then possibly um, like a number one contender fight. But he's really working his way to a title fight, and uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting to see what happens with him. So, And Cater now, I mean... I don't really know where he's going to stand. He's an older guy. Uh, after, I mean, falling down to 11, he takes a loss from a fairly good opponent. Um, I don't know if he's physically fit enough to stay. Um, I don't know in comparison to the rest of the weight class. Uh, I think he might be getting into his later years of the UFC. Um, I don't know that I see him getting back on track as a top contender uh, in the weight class. So, I see him staying around where he's at for at least another year or so. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I just I just don't see him moving up and like he's going to drop down to probably like 15 or so, possibly. Yeah, I mean it's possible. And, and I don't then, think it was that bad of a loss, but I'm, I don't I mean, either. I don't either. But I, I don't know I, how these rankings work either. So right, I, I just don't think anything. I don't think he's going to move up to like eight or better you know what I'm saying like I think he's about where he's gonna stay for the rest of his career um I just don't think there's gonna be that extra push for a title shot uh coming up really gotcha it's just that's my take on it so yeah well, I may be shitting on him a little bit but you know fuck it uh yeah that's what the house does the house shits on people <laughs> so the way it goes um cater go fuck yourself I guess uh Congratulations to beat. Um, yeah, so uh, fight night 163 in Moscow. Uh, that's the breakdown. So next we're going to be uh, looking at our favorite UFC fighters of all time. Stay tuned. So now what we got coming up for you is we're going to be giving you our number nine favorite fighter of all time in the UFC. Oh, uh, yeah. So I guess I'll go ahead and start out. Uh, my number nine fighter is going to have to be Henry Cejedo. Um, I may undervalue this fighter. Uh, he's obviously elite. He holds two belts right now. Um, what I really like about Cejedo is that at such a light uh, weight division, it's, it's impressive to watch how good and versatile he is. Um, he can, he'll work you in the clinch. He likes to take fights to the ground and control you on the ground. Um, he has obviously knockout power. Um, I ju I love the background that he comes from. He's a two time gold medalist uh, in the Olympics for wrestling. Uh, he he just has an impressive resume. Um, Sehedo, in my opinion, is one of the top fighters uh, to, that we've ever seen in the UFC, just from his successes that he's had, um, and really in all MMA. Uh, he's just an elite caliber athlete, and um, I really enjoy watching him fight. Yeah, uh, I really like uh, Sahedo. He's a, he's a good fighter. Um, I haven't really thought about him as far as my list. Uh, mine really goes a little bit nostalgic in these like uh, higher numbers, lower rankings, I guess. Uh, however you want to describe that. <clears throat> but uh, my number nine favorite fighter is Sugar Rashad Evans. Uh, I just have a a soft spot for that light heavyweight division mm -hmm. in the uh, late later, early 2000s. 
uh, early yeah, 2010 was, era. That was probably the... I mean, obviously, that was where the UFC gained a lot of its publicity. Those fighters were really, really fun to watch. Yeah, uh, Evans was a Ultimate Fighter uh, champion, mm-hmm. just like uh, my number 10 in Forrest Griffin. Uh, he uh, knocked out Chuck Liddell uh, in his light heavyweight debut. Uh, beat, I believe it was, Forrest Griffin to, to claim the light heavyweight championship belt. I think so. Uh, he was a champion, and uh, big shout out to him. He was just inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. Class 2019 uh, was just inducted in July, I believe it was. Yeah, definitely. Big congratulations to him for that. He's uh, obviously one of the founders of the sport, really put the sport on uh, in the public's eyes, uh, brought a lot of attention. He um, he definitely deserves a lot of credit for growing this sport. And uh, one of the first big names for uh, trainer Greg Jackson, uh, who mm-hmm. is a big name in the sport, uh, the yep. trainer of the likes of uh, John Jones and uh, Forrest Griffin, Rashad Evans, and just like so many more. Like he's uh, he's trained, I believe it was like seven uh, former UFC yeah, champions. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, and he was just one of the first people to like gain headway with him in uh, his unique grappling style mm-hmm. and, uh, technique right. was uh, just really foundational in, in the UFC and, and what we see today. Right. Uh, so then switching our focus, uh, we're going to be talking about the fighter of the year. Yep. Uh, and, and who we're taking. So right now the front runners are uh, Israel, the style bender, Adi Asanya, and uh, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, um, both having extremely successful years uh both monetarily popularity wise and and just good fighting experience right so uh my take on fighter of the year is uh i think i think Ori masvidal has had a really impressive year i think he's shown uh, a lot of people um really what they didn't expect out of him i think that he has proved a lot of people wrong he's grown in publicity um, obviously he won the baddest motherfucker belt, um, against, uh, Diaz just a few weeks ago, and, uh, congratulations to him for that, uh, he's, he's really building himself a lot of credentials in the UFC, but I think there's a recency bias that comes with viewing him as fighter of the year. I think if you look at the whole year and you look at what Israel Adesanya has done, I, I don't think it's comparable I think Israel Adesanya, um, obviously he became champion. Um, he's built himself a brand. Uh, soon he's going to be a household name in the, I mean, within America. He um, he is literally the next Anderson Silva. Uh, I think there's a lot of greatness to come from him. And uh, really with what he's done, he's been tested multiple times against good opponents. Um, when you look at... Uh, Masvidal, he knocked out Ben Askren, who's about to retire, possibly, which is right, fried. I've mean, seen how his career is going. Yeah, I mean, knocked him out in five seconds, which really you have to have some luck to do that. Like, I mean that that could have that flying knee could have like re- respectively went terrible for Masvidal and ended up in a takedown where he's out of position and Askren just gets him on top. You know what I mean? And just starts beating the fuck out of him. Like, ground and pound from the top. So, like, 
yeah, what he's I, uh, done, yeah, what he's done is impressive. I just don't see him as being more deserving than in Israel Adesanya. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that that uh, might be the most telling thing is uh, more deserving. I think that they've both respectively had uh, really good years, right? Uh, a really good year, rather, and but uh, like you said, the the flying knee. The fight lasted five seconds, and in the case of the baddest motherfucker that he uh, belt that he just won, the the fight right. was stopped early. Doctor stoppage. So, uh, and then his first fight of the year, um, I don't even remember who that was against. Like it just didn't really stand out to me. I mean, yeah, it, he fought Ben Askren second, so like it it obviously wasn't someone too high in the rankings. Um, obviously, that was a fight to build himself up like higher into the contenders so i mean they're just the sheer impressive wins that adesanya has had this year is um bar none in comparison yeah darren till Till is who he fought okay Uh, i mean darren till did get a nice win yeah and and that was a uh, second round knockout so okay uh i can see Kind of where his case comes from, but uh, still, I I think that Adi Asanya has the better resume, uh, winning the uh, middleweight championship outright over uh, Whitaker, uh, the Gastelum fight earlier in the year, like uh, his he's just had a more complete uh, fighting schedule as well as like these uh, his fights have have gone the distance and like we've really seen like what he's made of he's really like shown his metal. Uh, and shows that he can take a punch and that he does have that knockout ability. And I just like the way that he fights, man. Right. Uh, he's very precise. I mean, there was also, I mean, even to begin this year, it was February 9th of, uh, obviously this year, he fought Anderson Silva, which was the passing of the torch, pretty much, of that style of fighter, the kickboxer, Muay Thai, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu style fighter. Um, and then he goes on to take the title from Gastelum, the interim title, and then he takes the championship to or like the, the championship belt. belt from Whitaker. I mean, he's he's legitimately running through this division right now, through this middleweight division, and I do not see anyone stopping him. And what he has done is just absolutely impressive this year. So. Yeah, absolutely. And a uh, little side note: Have you? Uh, did you see his interview with uh, uh, Ariel uh, Elwani or some something to that effect? I if didn't. I'm he name, was sorry. probably on some fried shit. Uh, what did he say? <laughs> yeah, uh, he was basically like, uh, like he's he won the belt. Now he just wants to run through the the middleweight weight class, and uh, he wants John Jones to come down and be him. Right, right, and that's that's if they if they were to fight right now, he wants John Jones to come down and take him in the middleweight but he wants to run through this weight class and then um then he would uh, obviously maybe consider the option of moving up after he like obviously takes care of this weight class as a whole so um i think what he said a specific year that he was thinking about fighting jones Uh, 2021 i believe i think that's what it was too uh he wants another year to run through the rest of these guys which i think he will um I just hope Jones is still at his peak level at that time so we can see a super fight that, you know what I mean, is one for the ages because I think that's a great matchup right now. 
and uh, I'll be excited to see it come 2021 or possibly sooner. Absolutely. Uh, so then the last thing that we have for our like news and headlines is uh, Nate Diaz takes to Twitter. I didn't think that I was going to see Nate Diaz have fucking <laughs> Twitter fingers. Yeah, no. Uh, talking about, like, this is the point in, in the fight that Masvidal realized he didn't want to be there anymore. Uh, and I'll admit, like, the optics of it. Like, uh, Nate was on his back uh, throwing, like, power shots at, at Masvidal, and he did right. clip him once. Definitely. He was applying pressure in those later. Obviously, he was starting to gain momentum. Uh so like it, it did seem like he was starting to gain momentum, but like at the end of the day, dude, like you didn't start out the fight, uh, smart, or uh, with like a a good game plan to, to succeed in into those later rounds. Like you know, Madison Square Garden's commission is different. Uh, they're not gonna allow you to, to be as bloody as as he was. Right. And, I mean that's my thing too. Like. As an experienced veteran fighter, you got to know with all the precautionary um, tactics like all professional athletics is taking nowadays, especially to the head, that they're not going to allow you to fight with a cut that takes 10 stitches under your eye and 15 above your eye at the same time with blood rolling down in your eye. Like he He should be experienced enough to understand that he cannot get cut and injured in that kind of fashion and continue to fight in today's like age of MMA. Um, I just, I think that today's age in general. Yeah, really. Um, I I think that it's just I think it's more on him, not really, you know what I mean, coming out of the gate swinging, but. Then again, I mean, I do kind of understand the frustration, but I think as a veteran fighter, you should. You should know your body. You should know the sport. You know what I mean? What the officials take into consideration, what the referee looks at. And you shouldn't allow yourself to be in a position for a stoppage like that. So I think that's really on Nate Diaz. I think that's his fault. Um, I don't really think there's any bitching. Uh, He also did tweet that, like, someone accused him of, like, being retired or some shit. And, like, (laughs) he, he tweeted, I'm not fucking retired i'll fight tonight or some i don't know something crazy so he does have twitter fingers which i didn't expect to see even if he lost what he did um it kind of surprised me really yeah i see uh, this is like maybe his attempt to get that rematch yeah i think I he really does want this rematch bad i don't know that he really deserves it honestly but uh yeah so possibly, they, they agree on it though yeah i say uh possible matchups for for masvidal going forward uh the winner of Colby Covington, Kamaru Usman, mm-hmm. for the welterweight. Obviously, right. I don't feel like he's at this point deserving of a of a title shot. Right. Um, I agree a hundred percent with that. Maybe uh, I've heard there were talks of uh, McGregor uh, after this January fight, the mystery maybe uh, Cerrone fight. Yeah, yeah, that yeah that would be a pretty interesting matchup. Uh, and then hopefully that Cerrone fight uh, gets. Uh, publicized soon. Uh, hopefully, it comes out that that's who he's fighting. But, yeah, and then uh, obviously, like I would love to see a, a rematch of the BMF uh, with Diaz, but yeah, uh, definitely. Maybe Diaz has to fight somebody in between there. Maybe uh, the next time he fights Masvidal, he's the welterweight champion. Like, who, who knows? 
Uh, anything can happen in the sport, and the trajectory that he's on, it, it's possible. Right, right. He's definitely on a path to give himself a title shot. Um, and, I mean, respectively so. Uh, he's a good fighter, so I guess really that wraps it up for this section. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next, we're going to be looking at Fight Night 164. Uh, stay tuned. Fight Night 164 is going to be coming at you live in Sao Paulo, Brazil at 8 p.m. Uh, so first, we're going to be looking at Charles Oliveira versus Jared Gordon coming in the lightweight division. Uh, so a little bit about Jared Gordon. Uh, his last fight, he's coming off of a win. Uh, he is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, wrestling uh, mix uh, with a boxing uh, striking background. He has six knockout victories, two submissions, and six uh, coming by way of decision uh, for a total of uh, 14 wins, three losses. Uh, the three losses coming by way of knockout. Um, yeah, and a little bit about uh, Oliveira. <clears throat> He's actually coming off of a second-round knockout victory over Nick Lentz, um, but he is a absolute beast when it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and he is a submission specialist. He'll put you in a rear naked choke, arm bar, knee bar, anything, Um he is an elite Muay Thai uh, striker as well. Um, he's really good at what he does. He's an experienced fighter. He's been in the UFC for a long time. He has a career mixed martial arts record of 26-8. and eight. Um, he, he has finished the likes of Clay Gaeta or... Um, he lost to Paul Felder. Uh, he lost to Gustafsson when Gustafsson was good. He lost to Pettis. So he's lost <laughs> to some pretty good, um, when he was pretty good, good fighters. Uh, he lost to Max Holloway back in the day, 2015, when he was good. Uh, he beat Jeremy Stevens. Um, so you're throwing out losses here, man. Yeah, I know I'm throwing out. I'm, I know I'm throwing out <laughs> losses, but like, you sit and look. He's got submission victory over Jim Miller. Submission victory over. Chris Dogganis, um, he's coming off of his past fight before this knockout was a submission victory over David Teamer. Um, I mean, he's on a, what is it, one, two, let's count them up, three, four, five, so, I mean, quality six. He's on, he's on a six-fight win streak that dates back to 2017. So, the guy's the real deal. Um, he's elite on the ground. He can control you. Uh He's great at reversals and transitions. Um, I think that this is where he's going to want to keep this fight. And a little bit about the matchup. Uh, so, Oliviera stands at 5'10 with a 74-inch reach. Uh, Jared Gordon stands at 5'9 with a 68-inch reach. So, Oliviera has the six inches. Yeah, significant reach advantage. 41-inch um, leg reach uh, compared to Gordon's 38-inch leg reach. Um so, that's kind of the comparison of the fighters. Um, really, what I think this fight comes down to is uh, Jared Gordon. I think the story is about Jared Gordon in this fight. Um, if his takedown defense is good, and if he can control the clinch and the grappling up top, uh, I think he has a good shot at winning this fight. Um, I think that he could outstrike Oliveira. Um, possibly, maybe, I mean... It's hard to tell. It's all about matchups in the UFC. Uh, Olivier obviously coming off a knockout victory. 
Um, but I just think that Olivier is going to want to take this to the ground. And Jared Gordon, I do not believe that he is going to be able to keep Olivier off of him. I think the veteran is going to come out. I think he's going to get after it. I think he's going to get him to the ground. And I think he's going to submit him. Uh, my prediction for this fight is going to be a second round submission. Um, so I'm going to take Oliveira, getting it, getting Gordon to the ground and submitting him. Uh, I'll even narrow it down. I'm going to say it's going to come via rear naked choke. Rear naked choke, Oliveira, <coughs> second round, yep. says the house. Uh, so <clears throat> I also think that the story lies with uh, Gordon and what he's able to do. Uh, he has, as well as Olivier, has the Brazilian jiu-jitsu background. Right. Uh, I would say Olivier is probably superior. Mm-hmm. Uh, having hailed from Brazil. Right. And just being fully immersed in, inside of the culture. Absolutely, the, he's a veteran. He's been around it. The the nature of, of the art. Uh, but Gordon also uh, has the grappling ability of a, of a wrestler and is uh, going to be mindful of the sweeps and... and uh, hooking the legs, uh, so I don't see the ground as being a huge disadvantage for him. Although I do think he uh, is going to want to keep it standing. Uh, he ha he does possess the knockout uh, ability. We've mm-hmm. uh, right. seen it before. Uh, over or about half of his uh, wins are via knockout, yeah. but he also does have the submission uh, aspect as well. So it'll be interesting to see how everything goes. Uh, where he wants to take the fight, where his head's at. Uh, anything can happen in the UFC, uh, as we've seen. Any, like, nobody's safe at any one moment. Right, definitely. And, I mean, if these fighters come out and stand toe-to-toe to each other, this could be a fight of the night. Uh, this could be a fight of the night caliber fight, I think. Um, I feel like this fight could get really gritty and possibly come to a decision. Um, I think that... Really, whoever is going to end up taking control of the grappling is going to come out victorious in this one. Yeah, so uh, I see a lot of clinch work, a lot of uh, elbows, dirty boxing uh, happening in this one. I think Gordon takes it uh, via decision. I don't think either fighter gets the stop in in this fight. Fair assessment. I think if Gordon can get it there... There's definitely a possibility of him taking a via decision. So, I mean, the average fight time Gordon typically fights nearly into the third round. Um, Oliveira obviously tries to end it early. So, I mean, if Gordon can work the fight into the later round, um, round three, late round two, uh, I I suppose the the numbers and the percentages. Uh, sway into his favor so yeah uh, it'll be interesting to see but uh next we're gonna move into our co-main event uh with the future hall of famer if i can be so bold in my uh <laughs> assessment i'd say you're good uh mauricio shogun hua taking on paul Berju craig uh so i don't know what else can be said about mauricio shogun hua uh former light heavyweight champion uh, one of the last remaining golden era, uh, <laughs> yeah, UFC much. fighters. Uh, yeah, this is an old dude here. <laughs> I say going back to his name is mentioned with the likes of like Tito Ortiz and Chuck mm-hmm. Liddell, 
uh, Forrest Griffin, Rampage Jackson, and Guys Anderson Silva. Old as fuck. Uh, <laughs> just the the names that you think of when you think of the rise of the UFC. And, and still having that ranking in number 14, too. Yeah, to see him still doing it is just uh, it's awesome to, to see. I win, lose, or draw. I have the utmost respect for, for Shogun Hua, for what he's done, for what he's brought to, to the world, really. Uh, and taking on a, a fairly new up-and-comer. Yeah, Paul Craig, um, he comes from a Brazilian jiu-jitsu background. Uh, he fought in the Ultimate Fighter. He was signed into the UFC in 2016, um, where he actually holds a losing record. Um, that record is 3-4. and four. He's he had a loss earlier uh, in June, and then won via submission against Moriera in in September of this year and is fighting in November. So he's definitely getting his fights in. Uh, he's still a fairly young fighter, though, at sitting at 12-4 and four in his MMA career. Uh, he was 9-0 when he was signed into the UFC. Um, he can knock you out. Uh, he can submit you. I don't think he is a very great fighter. Um, when I guess we'll break down the matchups of... Him and Shogun. Uh, Shogun stands at six one, where Craig stands at six three. Shogun, or they both have a seventy six inch reach advantage. Um, Craig has a two or inch and a half reach um, leg reach advantage. Uh, but when it comes down to this fight, I I think that I don't think Paul Craig is really. I don't know. I just don't think there's that killer instinct. I don't think that he's going to be able to uh, really end the likes of a Shogun Hua. Um, I think that there's going to be an intimidation factor uh, just because of the name that he's fighting, really. And, I mean, he's been really average in the UFC thus far uh, with no real significant wins or justifying wins on why he should be a contender. I feel as if Shogun probably comes out and wins the fight before the fight even happens. Um, I'm going to go with Shogun in a KO, TKO victory uh, late first round, early second round. Um, I really don't see Craig coming out. and I just I just think the experience factor is going to work in a lot with Hua. Um, I I just don't see him letting the likes of a Paul Craig finish him. You know what I mean? Especially right. on the downfall of his career. Like, he's going to want to get his wins in. He's to the point where he's fighting people that aren't even ranked. Um, yeah, just, kind of just getting out there for, for the hell of Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Just because he loves to fight, so. Yeah, uh, so I'm just going to get this one out here. Uh, first, to be blunt, I think uh, Shogun Hu is going to win this via submission. Yep. Uh, whether that comes in the second or third round, that remains to be seen. But I think it's going to be a submission victory for Hua. That being said, I just want to take a second to talk about uh, Paul Craig. Uh, you mentioned that he was 9-0 when he came into the UFC. And uh, there's obviously a big gap in competition when you when you make that leap. Absolutely. And to be at 3-4 and four inside of uh, that career, it's still young. There's still room for improvement for it. Uh, but it shows that like he's taken his his lumps, and that he's 
not somebody uh, of a Ben Askren who, once they taste defeat, is somebody who's going to give up on, on their career in the drive. So I'll commend him for that. Uh, taking on the likes of uh, Shogun Hula, the the mystique and everything that surrounds that name. Absolutely. Uh, and then taking him on in Brazil is is bold. Yeah. He's going to be fighting a little extra for, for his home family. For sure. Everything. I mean, Craig definitely, obviously, by signing this fight, wants to come out and make a statement to the UFC. I mean, he obviously feels as if he still has something to prove. Uh, I mean, going up against the likes of a Shogun Hula. I mean, that's just an iconic name in the UFC. And really, at this point... Um, Anyone that would fight who would, I mean, has to have mad respect for him. So, um, I think he wants to come out and make a statement. I do think who takes this fight. Uh, but, like I said, it's all about matchups. It's hard to tell the youth may get to who. Um, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, uh, I'm just excited to see him back out there. The last time that he fought was uh, over a year ago, July 22nd, 2018. Uh, when he lost to Anthony uh, Lionheart Smith, uh, so I'm I'm just excited to see a legend out there uh, giving him one more go round, and I'm excited to see how his career finishes out. But I'd love to see this fighter, nonetheless. Uh, so moving forward into our main event of the evening, we have Jan Blakovich versus Renato Chakare Sousa. Uh, so Sousa, another uh, Brazilian native, uh, you typically fights in the middleweight weight class, is stepping up to light heavyweight to challenge Jan Blackowicz, uh, number currently ranked number six in the light heavyweight division. Uh, Jacare Silva has beaten the likes of uh, Derek Brunson, Chris Weidman, and uh, Jack Her- uh, Hermanson. Uh, he's a submission specialist, uh, finishing. Uh, multiple fights on on the ground via submission, uh, and is an eight-time world champion in uh, jiu-jitsu uh, competition. Uh, he has also won the Fight of the Night Award two times uh, against Forrest Griffin and Chris Weidman. So, a uh, very decorated fighter taking on... Uh, a top-ranked light heavyweight contender. Right, and so it's coming in that... Uh, ranked number eight here. Uh, Jan Blagovich, um, he's currently 23-8 and eight in his MMA career. He's from Poland. Uh, comes in with a significant reach advantage of six inches. Uh, he has 78-inch reach. Uh, Souza has a 72 and a three-inch uh, leg reach advantage sitting at 44. Um, for Blagovich. Yeah, for Blagovich. Uh Really, he he loves to knock you out. Um, he has a TKO victory coming via round two against Luke Rockhold that came in July, and then in February he, I mean, he took the fight into the third round with Thiago Santos, and we all know how good Thiago Santos has been this year. Um, no doubt. I mean, that fight against John Jones was extremely impressive with a blown out knee. So that that's a very elite fighter that he fought into the third round. He got he ended up getting knocked out uh, via TKO, but last year uh, he won via decision and via the submission. So he's a very versatile fighter, um, and 
he likes to submit. He takes a lot of his fights to decision. A uh, majority of his fights are won via decision or submission. So, uh, I mean, he can knock you out. He can submit you. Uh, I feel as if, I don't know, he may he may be better when it comes to uh, taking the fights into the later rounds, especially being a being a five-round fight, um, I think that may give Souza a few problems, but at the end of the day, I feel as if Souza is actually able to uh, come in, and I think he's able to control him uh, with the grappling. Um, maybe I'm calling an upset here. I think Blackovich, uh gets submitted by Souza. Um, I really see... I mean, Souza's is an extremely strong fighter, uh, and with his grappling, um, I love it, he's very controlling, um, his, I mean, his, uh, what, takedown defense is at 63%, so, you, I mean, you don't see a whole lot of fighters, um, as veteran as he is at 26 and 6 with a 63% takedown defense, yeah, you so, know what I mean, yeah. I mean, that's impressive, like, He's done it for a long time. He's not yeah, let thirty two fights. Me down. Uh, you're not taking me down more than half the time. Exactly. I mean that's. I mean that's just straight up controlling men is what he's doing inside the octagon. So, I feel as if he's able to do that to Blagovich. Um, I think that this is going to come via submission for him. Uh, I think it's going to be a big statement win for him, and I'm going to call an upset here. Uh, Souza, late second round uh, submission. Yeah, uh, so this is interesting for me. Uh, I think that Sousa is going to, one, he's going to have to close the distance, mm -hmm. uh, giving up that reach advantage. Absolutely. And he's going to want to use his power to try to keep the game standing because he is moving up in weight class and he's giving up so much weight uh, to to Blakovich in, in the way of, like, moving on the ground, it's different. We saw it when uh, with... Chris Weidman moving up right. to challenge Reyes when he tried to get him to the ground, the size kind of made a difference. Mm -hmm. and, like he wasn't able to uh, fight with the same type of style right. that he has. The control wasn't there as much. He couldn't physically dominate him. Uh, but I do think that uh, Jacare still holds the advantage on if he does choose to take it to the ground. I just think it was, it's going to be different, and it's not going to be as big of an advantage as he thinks going into it. Uh, that being said, I still do think that it's going to end via submission uh, to Sousa. Do, do you know what Yakare means? No. <laughs> uh, Renato Sousa's uh, nickname, Yakare, means alligator. So I think he's going to put him in a gator roll, uh, body triangle, <laughs> rear naked choke. Uh, that's how I see this one, this one playing out. Uh, Sousa via submission. Yeah, so we both took Souza for this fight. We both took the underdog. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting fight. Uh, if Blagovich can keep it standing and keep Souza away, uh, I think there's a high possibility that he can get the win. He can get the stoppage uh, with his striking, or even take it to a decision. Um, but ultimately, I think we can both agree that we believe that Souza is going to be able to get a hold of him and. Um, Pretty much do something crazy and put him in a submission at some point in the fight. So, Yeah, so uh, tune in to Fight Night 164 in Sao Paulo, Brazil. 
Uh, you can catch that. Main card starts at 8 p.m. Uh, Blackovich versus Sousa. And unfortunately, that will be the UFC's last fight for a while. Their uh, next card isn't until December 7th. Uh, so uh, we'll be giving you coverage. We'll uh, give you fight recaps following this fight. And we'll also look ahead to uh, to that next event up in December. But we'll also be bringing you great con uh, content, keeping you updated about what's going on with fighters uh, in the UFC. New faces uh, always have new things to be bringing to you. So uh, don't be discouraged. We'll, uh, we'll teach you some things about the UFC, maybe that uh, our newer viewers don't necessarily understand. So uh, that's pretty much all we have uh, for yep. for uh, this episode of Caged. Thank you for listening. I am the lieutenant. And I am the house motherfuckers. Caged, we're out.